All right, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Parker Kane. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Upbeat. I share a lot of motivational stuff and info on social media, music, and entertainment, but I will also be sharing my personal experiences and interviewing all kinds of other people for their stories and their experiences, finding and pursuing what they really love to do. Let's get into it. Hey guys, this is Upbeat. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate it. This is a really cool episode where I interview Stuart Draper, who is the founder and CEO of Stukent, which is a digital courseware provider that provides all kinds of helpful resources to educators and students throughout the entire world, which is pretty sweet. Uh, and it's all in regards to digital marketing. So Stukent offers the world's first social media simulation and the world's best digital marketing simulation. I'm laughing because that's just really cool. It's number one, you guys, in the world. That's a big deal. And it all starts with Stuart Draper, who I have here with me today on Upbeat, which is just so cool. I'm excited for it. I hope you guys are too. And a little bit more about Stu and I. Uh, we've run into each other a bunch of times, multiple times over the last few years, just being at the same events where we both were speaking or where he was speaking and I was beatboxing. But overall, it's been a real pleasure getting to know him and hearing his story. And so, of course, I wanted to feature him here with me on the show because he is such a great man. He's incredibly wise. And I know that if you're listening to this episode, you are going to learn new things and you are going to gain new insights that maybe you didn't have before because Stu is the man and he brings so much value everywhere he goes. So enough talking from me. Let's just dive right into the episode. I'm actually here in Idaho Falls right now at Stu Kent uh, with Stu. Yes, the Stu and Stu Kent. Yep. <laughs> Stu, the Stu and Stu Kent. Uh, so just briefly tell me and uh, the listeners who you are and what you do, what you do for fun, what you do for work, anything you want to include. I'm a dad and, I'm, and a husband first. But yeah. I am the founder of Stukent, an ed tech company based out of Idaho Falls, Idaho. And we do e-textbooks and simulations that business schools use. High schools now, too, quite a few, in fact. Really? Yeah. Throughout the country? or Yeah. So in the U.S. for high school, we have about 2,000 high schools. And then on the higher ed side, we're in over 40 countries and over 2,000 universities. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you go to college? For before you started this? Yeah, I attended a university in Idaho, BYU, Idaho, and uh, learned digital marketing there. Cool. So that's what you studied. Was it like a business degree or was it its own degree? Or? Yeah. So back then, back in my day, so <laughs> I graduated college in 2008. Uh -huh. And my and I'd learned digital marketing as a part of a business degree in 2007. It was okay. just a one credit or two credit class. It was a a small part of my whole degree, but it was the main knowledge that I needed to go and have success with my career. Mm -hmm. So how did uh, Stu Kent get inspired? Like from college to where you're at now? Yeah, so I graduate college and get my first job selling property management software. Mm -hmm. I knew someday I wanted to be my own boss, but I figured it would be like a decade after I'd you know, really learned the ropes in a career path of yeah. just doing business. Sales and marketing is what I thought I would do. And six months after my, uh, I got hired after my internship and six months into my job, the founder um, mismanaged finances and called us all in a room, 16 of us, sat us down and said, hey, it's Friday, payday, and I have no money to pay anyone. So you're all free to leave. It was like 11 in the morning. That's a miserable time to come home to your wife yeah. and be like, uh, 
honey, like, I, we, I don't have a job, right? But luckily for me, uh, I had been doing um, basically freelance digital marketing, moonlighting mm-hmm. for my brother-in-law that's a dentist in Salem, Oregon. The guy has three record-breaking months of new patients. And so rather than look for another job, I just looked for other dentists that would let me do their Google, their Google ads awesome. and that run their Google Maps listings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that business just took off. Yeah. Right. It did really well. And, uh, it, it was a slow start. I shouldn't say it just took off, but it took off enough that I didn't have to go find another job. Right. Yeah. I looked back now and and to me, it felt like I took, it took off. I did 17 grand my first year in business (laughs) at getfoundfirst.com. It was an awesome little business, uh, for a guy straight fresh out of school, still making money through like to bootstrap the business. I was managing Mm -hmm. an apartment complex. Yeah. That helped. Anyway, uh, after running that business for a few years to get found first, my uh, professor, Kent, that's the Kenton student, <laughs> he called me up and said, hey, do you mind teaching? I'm, I'm headed to BYU Hawaii. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome, both Hawaii and the idea of me teaching. So I taught on his behalf for a semester while I still ran the business, and I kind of had a managing partner in the business at that point. And uh, Kent said, you know, here's the curriculum. Do what you will with it. You can teach it however you want. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time. I was so busy still helping with Get Found First to really like teach the class the way I wanted. Yeah. And like every entrepreneur story, there's that moment where the entrepreneur, the founder says, there's got to be a better way. Right? <laughs> yeah. And for me, the better way was authoring a textbook that I could update twice a year to keep it current. Mm-hmm. Basically, we were I, what I was using for the curriculum was links to blogs and that was just free content online. Yeah. And it which is great material and you can learn a lot from it, but it's really unorganized mm-hmm. and it's really hard to keep students on track and get them reading and then have good conversation yeah. around that. I've been there as the student. <laughs> and it's frustrating, right? It is. <laughs> so, we wanted to create an I, I had this vision to create this organized method. And for any of you aspiring entrepreneurs out there like when you find a problem and you have a vision for a solution, then you just got to go ask a ton of people what they think of your idea and your vision. And so we called over a hundred business schools and asked them like, what are you guys doing to teach digital marketing? Yeah. And Texas, Tennessee, Marquette, Indiana, Oregon, all these schools that you would expect to have a really decent business department and marketing program. They yeah. weren't, they, they're not teaching digital marketing to their business students in 2013. And I was like, this is crazy. It's time to do this. Like I need to go yeah. and help. And one of the people I talked to gave me an even better idea than my own, right? A professor, Jeff Larson, he became my co-author. He goes, Hey dude, this idea of a simulation, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or this idea of a textbook, it's awesome. I like it, but I'm more interested if you could build a simulation that gave students 50,000 simulated ad dollars to practice writing and running their own online ad campaign. Like that is money. If you do that, I'll use it in, in my class for sure. So it's like uh, no risk, basically like it's money and it's practice, but it's not real money or how does that work? Yeah. So the simulation is set up to um, basically give students a basic website platform so they don't have to mm-hmm. be a programmer or designer to 
get practice yeah. writing and running Google ads. And then it's, it's all fake money. Right. And I hate calling it fake money, but <laughs> that's basically what it is. You're going to play monopoly. Right. And yeah. practice being a landlord without actually being one kind of, it's that kind of that idea or like a pilot, right. They, before they fly a real plane, they get in a flight simulator mm-hmm. similar to that. Cool. So what happened after the the simulation idea then? You just executed? Yeah. So uh, another great point for upcoming entrepreneurs is go find a good first customer and let them use it for free, right? So BYU Provo is a top 20 business school, the Marriott School of Management. And when they used it, then getting Oregon State and University of Minnesota to pay us to use it was way easier. Yeah, because the top twenty schools using it, right? If they used it and they liked it, then we're gonna like it too. And mm-hmm. that first customer is really hard to find. Another reason to let them use, try it for free. Be like, look, we're learning. We know we don't have it perfect, but this is pretty cool, and you agree. So let's u- let you use it for free. And if you like it, great. Give us a good testimonial. We'll charge you next time. Yeah. And sure enough, that's what happened, right? We Creates just- advocates. Yep. Exactly. Smart. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, so what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a little kid? Was it ever this, was this even close to what you were thinking? No. So when I was a kid, I wanted, well, I, yes, over time, but like not okay. at first. My yeah. first jobs, you know, like firemen. I remember an astronaut came and, <laughs> and, and spoke to our elementary school at a, and I was like, I want to be an astronaut someday. Yeah. The fireman kind of stuck the idea of being a pilot stuck for a while, I think, because mm-hmm. I like the show Top Gun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then eventually, like, I remember I always looked up to my dad. He's my my hero, right? And he was a businessman. He owned a trucking company or was a part owner, I guess, in a trucking company. He was the CEO of them. And I remember watching him do what he did and, like, visiting him at his cool office and being like, someday I want to have a cool <laughs> office like that. Yeah. And like even the suit and tie appealed to me, which is funny now because <laughs> I don't wear one to work. But yeah. like I wanted to be a businessman. And by, by the time I was in middle school and then all through high school, like I just knew I wanted to do sales and marketing and be a businessman. That's really sweet. And I, so I know you from all the different speaking engagements and performances that I've been a part of. Uh, and you've been at a lot of them <laughs> doing speaking. Uh, do you have a favorite place that you've been able to speak or was it, cause I know you've done TEDx too. So was that like a top favorite or? Uh, I think my all time favorite talk was probably going back to my alma mater and speaking at power to become because the message was like totally from my heart mm-hmm. to an audience that like, look, I've been in your shoes and it wasn't very long ago and here's some stuff I learned and I hope it helps you. Yeah. And like, I've had all sorts of students message me later and be like, Hey, I, I, I yeah. watched your, your power to become talk or I was there. And, mm-hmm. um, so that I think was the one, the like most meaningful to me, probably one of the largest audiences as well. Um, the Ted talk was like my least favorite. <laughs> I, okay. That was one of mine too. People always ask me about that, but that one is so much pressure, so much pressure, so much work and time. And, uh, you're so limited on time for your message. And I'm used to having an hour to speak, right? So that's, yeah, that was a real challenge. It was great for me. I learned a lot from the experience. I'm glad I did it. 
But of all the experiences, <laughs> probably my least favorite. And I changed the subject, right? I went with uh, my, I usually talk digital marketing or entrepreneurship. And here I was talking about uh, a concept called charity fasting. Very different, right? And that also made it a challenge. Yeah. Going back to the P2B, the power to become, uh, that's one thing that really helped inspire this podcast idea for me is I, I know that in that audience of people at Power to Become, that's pretty much who I want the listenership of this oh, there you podcast go. Okay. to be. Um, and then I haven't, I've performed, I've done beatboxing at Power to Become, but it's a dream of mine to go do some cool stuff and make a life for myself and then come back like 15 years later <laughs> and talk to, uh, talk to, to, to the BYU-Idaho students yeah. again. So I'm aspiring to do that. That seems like a really cool one. Won't be long, Parker. <laughs> Keep after it. Thanks. So... On your journey, what roadblocks have you experienced or what like roadblocks could you, I guess, warn other entrepreneurs about that they might come, that they might encounter? Remember, there's a million of them. <laughs> like yeah, entrepreneurship is like constant roadblocks. Yeah. In fact, I think being a good entrepreneur is just mostly learning how to go around roadblock. You're going to have roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And mm -hmm. so uh, having that staying power what I call a word that I heard used by Steve Young. Mm -hmm. He the said he, he calls it stick to itiveness. And it's <laughs> actually a word in the dictionary, stick to itiveness. That's the sweet. ability to stick to it, right? Like in entrepreneurship, you're going to have roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And you just have to know you're going to either go under it, over it, around it, or blow right through it. But you're going to find a way. That's what entrepreneurs do. And the biggest one for me has to have has to be financing mm -hmm. so in my first business get found first we just bootstrapped that there was no funding from investors or anything like that it was like yeah. whatever money i could afford to like invest to run an ad campaign or to hire a salesperson or hire another digital marketer like that had to just come out of my own pocket as we grew and then uh in my second business stukent uh, really, it's my third business. I should correct myself there. But uh, in Stukent, because I had a college a company called the Christmas Light Guys. Fun to talk about that in a second if we have a minute. But, yeah. uh, you know, with Stukent, we raised funding. And you made you make money in the school, in the education space, like once or twice a year, depending on how the school schedule for purchases is set up. Yeah. And so finding a way to pay all the bills during all those months where you don't make yeah, money is the a rest real, of the year. <laughs> it's a real challenge, right? And so when we wanted to grow as fast as we did, and we we hit the Inc. 500 last year at number 268, and that kind of rapid growth only comes from a bunch of initial capital investment to get it off the ground and keep growing. I would say the biggest roadblock is just finding a way to finance everything. Okay, awesome. And then now I want to go to the Christmas light, guys. <laughs> Let's do it. It's fun. Okay, tell me about it. So all you need to start a business is uh -huh. dinner with a buddy and then like an hour in front of a computer designing a brochure and you're off to the races. So I recommend this to any up, up and coming budding entrepreneur. You'll hear over and over again from entrepreneurs, like you just got to start. You just got to yeah. get going and start, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out the legal, figure out the accounting after you make a little money, right? Like yeah. that's, especially in a small startup while you're young, 
there's a lot of forgiveness for those entrepreneurs willing to try. They can yeah. figure out the legal and accounting later, but go make some money. Yeah. And uh, in our case, we built the, we created this little brochure, and then I had cousins that I think I bought them for dinner or some pizza or something, and told them, hey, if you'll drop these flyers off in this neighborhood and this neighborhood, um, I'll I'll buy you dinner, right? So mm-hmm. did that, and then uh, my phone started ringing, and we got people calling saying, yeah, you can come over and give me an estimate to put Christmas lights up in my house. So we'd walk to the house, and we like didn't even have any pricing prepared. We'd just look at the house and go, I'd do that for like 300 bucks, which translation, I'd risk my life for 300 bucks because yeah. when you're in college and <laughs> you don't have any money, like 300 yeah. bucks. And you're like, yeah, it'll take me like three hours, 300 bucks. That's really good money. None of my friends are making a hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we just told them you got to go buy your own lights. And then well, as soon as you've got them, call us. And within three days, we'll come put them up and uh, borrowed a truck borrowed a ladder and off we went and put up like eight grand worth of Christmas lights in a month and a half Dang! and froze our butts off. And it was terrible taking them down in the bitter cold winter Yeah, with ice heaves, like mm-hmm. around the, the electrical yeah. wiring. But dude, that was a great way to learn the basics of a business, learned all sorts of good lessons yeah. from doing that. It wasn't going to make me a millionaire but it was going to pay some college tuition. It was going to pay some college rent and get me through. Awesome. Well, and I may be mixing up people, but do you know Bruce Peck? You do, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm a mentor of his on his startup doorstep dates, which is brilliant. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. So his story, that just totally reminded me of him because that's that story of the Christmas lights is really similar to his story of the clean check business where he just... We're, and I think he still does it too, but like they'll go and they'll charge people to do their clean checks for them. They'll go pay, they'll, they'll go volunteer to clean the apartment so that the roommates don't have to basically. Yeah. 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 yeah it's brilliant. And but see, he had to get out there and go and make some money first to, to launch a doorstep. Yep. Which is brilliant. Honestly, that guy is just brilliant. <laughs> he's he's going to go places for yeah, sure. Yeah, he is. So what are like the most amazing things that has happened since Stu Kent was created? The most amazing thing is almost a quarter of a million people by the end of this year will wow. have used software that I helped design and develop. Like that. That's sweet. Right? And a, a textbook that I co-authored with a... PhD from Wharton, like to have those kinds of experiences at my young age is really cool. And I think those are the biggest wins. If you go look on Facebook at our Facebook page and you can read, read the testimonials there. Yeah. Like we have a student that was like messaged us and he was like, Hey, if you want, I'll do a testimonial for you. I got my internship at Adobe and my job at Google because of your program. And it's like that's crazy. I get I get goosebumps thinking about like the impact that 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 has had my our courseware has had on that one student right like mm-hmm. his life is totally changed and improved because of our platform and uh, when you're in business and you're making money that's great but when you're making money. And you're making a difference in other people's lives to the point where they're like their whole career changed because of what you did. Yeah. I mean, that's what you go to work for every day, right? Like yeah. 
provide jobs to people. Like 60 people in Eastern Idaho now are have jobs because of my because of this little business we started, and um, literally a couple hundred thousand students have learned digital marketing and have set off on a new career path because of the coursework we provide. I say the same thing on my podcast all the time, like in the intros and outros. I get messages from people that are listening that are like, hey, I switched my major because of this episode, you know? And That's awesome. Man. I'm not making any money yet, but I'm influencing people and it feels really good. Yeah. And the podcast hopefully will make money someday. For sure. For <laughs> With sure. advertising and stuff, but... Yep. If the internet would only allow you to leave one post online, what post would you leave or what message would you send? Or like another way to look at it is like if you were to to die and you were only allowed to leave one form, one piece of content for everyone to see. Oh gosh. What what would the message be? <laughs> or what uh, post? I'm a religious person. Yeah. So, uh for me it would definitely be about my savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, to me, this life, all of the reasons we're here are about more than this life and what's after this life. And so my message would be around that, that there's more than, than what's here. And, uh, so yeah. And as far as what those exact words would be, man, that's a hard <laughs> one, but it would be something about, look to your savior, Jesus Christ, because, and, and I say that, you know, uh, because if you watch a lot of the pro athletes mm -hmm. when they win an, an, a national championship or a, a world series or something, a lot of them do a good job of giving God the glory. Others forget about him. Yeah. I know that the success I'm having isn't just me. And I've, I've asked for a lot of guidance and help to, to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's not just my own brains and smarts. There's a lot of people that I believe God put in my path that helped me get to where I am. Right. Yeah. And so for me, that that's what it would be. I could think of a lot of other funny, snarky things to say, <laughs> but I just got really deep and serious yeah. on you there. No, I, I felt like I was at power to become all over again. <laughs> awesome. It's like, it's like the thing is like a lot of people don't want, they don't want to mix religion and business. Yeah. And for me, um, my, re my religion is really just who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. And so I have a really hard time just like putting it aside like it's not there and not really in me. Yeah. And I've found that even as I grow the business um, and I've hired people that are not of my faith over and over again, like it's, it's okay. Like they just know that that's stew. And they appreciate that it's, it's who I am, and I, I can't change that about myself, and so I don't apologize or try to. Yeah, no, I think that's really good, and it helps. It probably helps influence all of your decisions. Um, whereas if you separated the two, you might not be making the, the greatest decisions for your business. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> um, so I've just got a last kind of few questions I wanted to to shoot through with you briefly. Uh, one: Would you ever start a podcast? Would I ever start a podcast? No. No? How come? So I look to try to do things that are entirely first in the world. Yeah. And um, no one... People were doing simulations before we, we brought to market the world's first digital marketing simulator. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, 
And so I guess if you can find a niche where you can be the only guy doing that thing with that with a podcast, then you could still justify going into that space. But I, I like to do things. There's a book, Peter Thiel, mm-hmm. founder of PayPal, multi-billionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he wrote a book called Zero to One. I highly recommend it. And in his book, Zero to One, he talks about the difference of being YouTube or being the guy that creates content for YouTube, right? The guy that creates YouTube, he's the zero to one guy. And the the guy that creates content for YouTube, he's the guy that's like the one to infinity. And that's where everyone else gets to play. Mm -hmm. When you create the platform and others come to you for the platform, then it changes um, your ability to, one, make an impact and really stand apart. So in our case, um, we found that just one simulation and just one textbook wasn't where we, it could end. We could actually create the platform for other e-textbooks and other simulations. Yeah. And that courseware platform that we've created now, it's first in the world stuff. Like no one can have what we created they mm-hmm. can try and duplicate it, but it's it's a multi-year change, right? Whereas someone can create a TikTok. Yeah. You've, you're familiar with these new videos, right? Yep. Yeah. On TikTok or Vine, those types of platforms. Everyone else can go and copy you over and over again, and you'll see it if you go spend, spend much time scrolling through those platforms. Mm-hmm. But to go and create the platform takes years of investment. Yep. To create the content, and, and try and copy content, that doesn't take very long. But to copy the platform that, that, that holds the content, that is a lot of time, money, and energy. And so there's a lot fewer people spending time there. Makes so, sense. And I, and I think I listen to Gary Vee a lot. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Uh, uh, forgive his language, but he's, he's a <laughs> yeah, good guy. Yeah. Um, and he just talks about being self-aware a lot. And, and I think with what you said, there's just different breeds of people like like some people are meant to be the guy to create the platform and some people are meant to produce content and some people are just meant to consume the content, you know, just being self-aware, but like when, cause this, this was supposed to be a quick, like run through, but now I have more questions. <laughs> um, when were you, when did you first recognize or realize that you were the kind of guy that had to create the platforms or create the world's first or, or be in that kind of a category? Um, or how do you recognize that? Because I think there's a lot of college kids right now walking around campus that have no idea <laughs> what they're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. So this is super cliche, but you live right. Yeah. You do right by people, right? You just always try to be a good person. Good intentions. And with good intentions. And you work hard and the opportunities arise mm-hmm. out of those two things. Because you're living right and you're working hard, there will be opportunities that come to you because of that, because you're doing those two things. And when you have that opportunity, you jump on it. You can't like force an idea, Mm -hmm. but you can be like for me just two weeks ago, I got invited to go to the Facebook developer conference and you have to be invited. You can't just sign yourself up to go. And in attending that, 
all of a sudden this new idea came to me, this flash of genius. Like yeah. I look at it and I go, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than what I'm doing currently at Stukent, right? It's that kind of idea. Wow. And it couldn't have come unless I already had an ed tech company that already had ends at Facebook to get an invite to go to Facebook's developer conference. And so you can't see the end for, from the beginning and you're not going to have a crystal ball. You go live right, you work hard, you, you seek out the best opportunities and you chase them. And then new, if you keep living right and you keep working hard, new opportunities will come that you haven't seen before. And awesome. so that's where it'll come from. You just have to watch for it and then have the guts, the cojones <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. just go chase it, right? To just not not say, oh, that's someone else's. Someone else is going to do that. I don't need to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. I know. I love that. Uh, okay, last few questions. What's your favorite word? Dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I say dude a lot, so I guess it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. You just flashed back to the beginning of the interview when you were talking about finding the simulation. You were like, Jeff was like, dude. <laughs> exactly. If you had, had a simulation. And he probably did not say dude. <laughs> but in my head, <laughs> I heard dude. dude. <laughs> uh, okay. Favorite TV show? Oh, I hate to say. Because <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of a guilty pleasure. But I like the show Poldark. I actually, I've never heard of it. So Poldark is a BBC show from the UK mm-hmm. and it's in its just ended its third season. And as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I really relate to it. Second place, Shark Tank. Third place, American Idol. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Don't I tell like- everyone, okay? <laughs> but I still like American Idol. I don't know why. But yeah. Well, and I think they're just improving every year. From yeah. what they used to be, in my opinion. The talent they're able to acquire is pretty incredible. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, and you mentioned Shark Tank. I just saw something on your LinkedIn, too, about Damon John. Um, what is it about Damon John that stood out to you? So Damon is like, you when you hear Damon speak, you realize like he's not the smartest guy on the planet. Yeah. But Damon has the X factor that an entrepreneur needs. And I would say more than anything, it's that stick to it that mm-hmm. staying power that no matter the obstacle, he's going to find a way around it. Yeah. So it's cool. I actually opened for Damon John a few years oh, ago. Oh, awesome. So Where were you? He's my favorite too. It was Isaiah Fest in Orlando. Dude, good for you. That's cool. I just, I just going to say, I've never met any of the sharks except him. So by default, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But no, just talking to him, though, like in, in person, um, very formal, but still like casual at the same time. And you could just tell he's like, he's serious about what he's doing. And when he's speaking, he's not kidding around. Like he means every word yep. that he says. And and I love that. Yeah, he. I, I think one thing to note about guys like him mm-hmm. is they can joke, they can have fun, but they usually are pretty serious people. Yep. My time with Damon, I was like, "Gosh, man, you are stiff. Like, yeah, like relax a little bit." But <laughs> I think to get to where he is, you have to have a lot of very serious moments in your life. Another reason, though, is people always want something from you when you're at that status. Like he. Everywhere he goes, because I don't know how he was with you, but like he had a security team go in and literally clear out everything and everyone that wasn't supposed to be even kind of near him. 
and then when he came in, like he was so serious and almost cold, like, like I don't trust anyone in here. Everyone in here is just fangirling. Everyone in here just wants something from me, you know? So it's like, you can't blame him really for being so serious when yeah. probably everyone out there wants to use you for something. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you constantly have that jaded nature of this kid's not true friend to me. He just wants my money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I just remember what I do is really casual cause it's beatboxing and it's fun. And they had me beatbox his name before he got on stage. And so I did it. And then I, on my way, walking down the stage and getting back in the green room, I passed him and he grabbed my hand and then he grabbed my shoulder and he's like, thanks. I liked it. And then, and then just kept walking. <laughs> and I was just like, that was the most like formal and serious. Thank you. I've ever gotten for something so casual and fun, you know? Yep. Um, okay. Favorite social network platform. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. I guess because I'm more of a serious guy. <laughs> I, I enjoy Twitter, uh, but I find a rabbit hole and I like naturally want to talk politics and I try to avoid it. Yeah. So yeah, tw LinkedIn by far. I think that what they're, what they've done is really neat. No one else has figured it out like they have. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you have anything else that, that you want to for sure get on the podcast? So if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, the thing that I would say you want to do the most is look for the other successful entrepreneurs that you can connect with and go learn as much as you can from them. Whether that be read their book, uh, take them to breakfast or lunch. I, I offer, I suggest breakfast a lot because busy people don't have a lot of time for lunch, but they're like, who's busy at 7am. Right. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> so unless you're working out or something. So yeah, I would say you've got to go find the successful people and look at what they do and duplicate it. And so many of the people that aren't successful, just think about how nice it would be to be like them, but they don't want to know what it actually takes and they don't want to go do the work. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day. Thank you for having me, Parker. It's, I hope the be I wish the best for you guys and your listeners. So there it is. My interview with Stuart Draper, the founder and CEO of Stu Kent, the Stu in Stu Kent, as he likes to say. And of course, from his stories, you can learn who the Kent in Stu Kent is. I thought that was pretty cool. He's got so many good stories, so much good insight that we can all definitely learn from and apply in our daily lives. But if you enjoyed this episode, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, let me know you're listening hit me up on instagram at upbeat pod u-p-b-e-a-t-p-o-d that's so fun to say <laughs> you guys are amazing i'll see you next week